Hello and welcome to another episode of Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum. And Grow Like a Pro is a show all about learning how to achieve your goals and dreams as a business owner, but also growing as a person and just hearing incredible stories from incredible people about how they found success in their life. And this week, we are extremely excited to welcome Jessica Stewart, the president and CEO of Special Olympics Ohio to the show. And we, you know what, we couldn't be happier. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much. It is an absolute pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Of course. And you know, it's, it's kind of funny because earlier today, you and Ron, who we like to call the pretty face of the podcast, you guys had something fun today, didn't you? <laughs> we did. We did. It is polar plunge season for us here at Special Olympics Ohio. And uh, Ron and the NBC4 team and I, and obviously some of his team members and Betsy, we're out uh, right in front, of, in front of the polar bear exhibit and the polar bears themselves for Ron to take his plunge. So it was a lot of fun and it was really nice to be able to get out to the zoo. I hadn't been out there for a long time. Of course it was Ron picked the coldest day of the year <laughs> to uh, make his plunge, but it was, uh, it, it was perfectly fitting for the day and for the polar plunge season. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Ron, have you yeah, recovered? It was actually the second coldest day on this day in history. Oh, I so, see you. You know it all, Ron. You've got it all down. So that's well, excellent. People were texting me and, and telling me that. it was funny the reaction people. Had. You know, even today, you know, I plunged as you, as you know into some pretty cold, uh, deep water places, and um, today it was you know basically a lot different because of of COVID and everything. But even today, people are oh, I could never do that. I mean, it was it was like water off the back of a duck <laughs> but it was You're fun and, you know and a lot of people were on and it was great Jessica. thank yeah, you yeah it rolled I, right I off of you ron it was almost perfect i'm like ron's untouchable that's why it was, <laughs> it was great know, he has he has made a career out of waterproofing so it makes sense that he himself I, it's yeah. true it rolled right <laughs> off of him i thought i need to take some lessons from ron in my next fuller plunge so that's fantastic but yeah yeah, yeah. Jessica, what, you know, for people who may have not exactly know what the polar plunge is, what, what is the polar plunge? Yes. So it's Special Olympics, and it's actually not just in Ohio, but obviously it's, and I think Ron was inspired by one he attended or a few that he's attended outside of Ohio, but our polar plunge is our largest grassroots fundraiser uh, through, um, through Ohio currently and, and expands obviously into the millions of dollars in other states across the country. So in a traditional year, it looks very different. So in a traditional year, uh, we have in Ohio, eight plunges across the state. Um, they vary from smaller plunges to larger plunges in Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland. Um, you know, teams get together and individuals, if they choose to do so, uh, to fundraise for Special Olympics Ohio and the athletes that we serve. And they come together at one event, usually an event of their choice, or sometimes people are kind of crazy enough to go to more than one event to plunge. But, um, you know, their teams get together and, and traditionally people get in costumes, they come out without hardly any clothes on, or they might come with a lot of clothes on. But, uh, you know, they plunge into a body of icy cold water. And, um, you know, Cleveland looks a little different. We plunge into Lake Erie there. Um, Columbus has looked different because we've uh, had it out at Express Live um, the past couple years, not this year, obviously, but jumping into a pool or last year we did uh, lined trash cans because the year before the pool broke. 
So we took a much safer route um, last year. So it's just, a, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's the event itself is super quick, as you can imagine. People are in and out fast and changing clothes and wrapped in towels and, you know, trying to get warm again. So, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And traditionally for us, it takes place, it starts uh, up in the Sandusky area in January and then extends all the way into early part of March, I think Indian Lake uh, region is the last one of the year. So this year obviously looks a little different, uh, you know, with plunging your way or plunge my way campaign. So folks can get creative and I'll tell you it has been, as Ron has demonstrated this morning, people are getting really creative in what they're doing. So, you know, some folks are jumping into their pool in their backyard, others are making snow angels. Some folks are having a beverage sitting out in the snow in shorts. Others are doing slip and slides. Um, you know, I'm plunging on Saturday, um, this set this coming Saturday, um, which is obviously well, once this podcast is airing, it'll be before that. So I'll, I'll have my plunge out of the way on Saturday. So um, we are uh, looking forward to that. I think the team might have some surprise for me because every time I ask for what my plunge is going to look like, I get kind of these vague, ambiguous, well, we think we might do a dunk tank or maybe a bucket or something like that, but we'll let you know, just show up. So um, so I don't know what they have planned for me, but I'll do my plunge on um, on Saturday. That's so yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, I, I've done the polar plunge a few years now too. And it just, you know, obviously when you jump into that pool, it literally takes your breath away. I mean, it, it is freezing, but there's just there's something so special about this event that you just, you have to be there to experience because, you know, it's such a team building event. It's such like you cheer on everyone, you laugh at everyone freezing, coming out in like speedo, like bathing suits. And it's just, it's such an amazing event to see everybody come together for this cause. And it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to be a part of. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it is a shock value because traditionally we have a two chicken to plunge category. So folks want to raise money for our athletes here in Ohio and not jump. We're okay with that too. So, um, but you know, a lot of folks, I, when I first started with the organization and um, you know, in, in 2018, I thought there is just no way. And then I had a couple athletes keep asking me if I had plunged yet. And I thought I have no plunge cred at all. <laughs> so it was time for me to do that. And uh, the first plunge that I did was in 20, um, 2019. And I, that was up in Cleveland. And I did that with an athlete who had reached out and said, will you please join my team? And she was, uh, Chrissy Motz was the first um, person to ask me the first athlete and I said yes and I um, you know with her Chrissy she is uh, our top fundraiser top fundraising athlete and also has been the top fundraiser in the Cleveland market for years her and her team so you know it really speaks to the true mission of the organization and the more we get our athletes involved the more money we raise and the more you know money we raise the more programming support we can offer to our athletes so this year um, you know, because we're doing it my way, there aren't any geographical boundaries. So, you know, historically in the past, we used to have one in the Toledo market, but um, we haven't the past couple years. So this is a great opportunity for the Northwest Ohio athletes to get involved in plunging their way. So in, in a sense, I feel like we're building a base of what this could potentially look like in a hybrid model in the years to come. So I think, you know, we, we love getting together and jumping all together or plunging all together 
But in some cases, people feel a little bit more comfortable and confident, I think, in doing the plunge their way. It's, it's not, you know, feet first or head first or however you want to jump in or running in and running out. It's really looking at, you know, what meets their needs and meeting them where they are. So this is, a, um, you know, it's kind of a bright spot, Adam and Ron, I think, in this COVID and, you know, later in the podcast, we can talk about that. But, you know, I, I, I love these bright spots as they shine in a time when, you know, everything is just a place where we don't know, you know, we don't know where we're going to be or we don't know how to move forward. So I love the fact that this, you know, these new ideas are really, um, you know, changing the way we do things. And I'm excited to see what the future has in store for us. You know, um, I, I want, this is obviously all about you and uh, Special Olympics that I'll have, but I, I have to say that, you know, as you know, I have a daughter, um, Betsy's sister, who lives in a group home, who uh, has special needs and has been a Special Olympics athlete for probably close to 30 years now and has done everything from gymnastics to bowling to swimming to you name it, she's, she's done it. But, but this year being, you know, because of COVID and, and her, her day program has gone away for a while and she really has, she's been a, pretty much isolated with her group home for a year. I mean, it's been uh, incredible. Because, you know, a lot, particularly uh, when you get into special needs, you get people with dual diagnosis that have a lot of uh, mental, you know, uh, challenges and as she does. And Special Olympics has been so meaningful that, that you, you know, you, and we'll talk, I really want you to talk about the program you put together during COVID because it's, to me, it's nothing short of amazing because, it's, it's just really made a major, major difference in my daughter's mental health, and I'm sure the mental health of many others. So I want to make sure we get into that. Adam. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. Ron. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think, no, that's, that's definitely what this is all about. And I think, you know, Jessica has some incredible stories to tell about that and everything else she's done. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we do have to take a quick break before we come back to dive in a little bit more. So make sure to stay tuned to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN, and we will be right back. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts, Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest, Jessica Stewart, the president and CEO of Special Olympics Ohio. And before we jump back into Jessica's story, I just want to remind everyone that Grow Like a Pro goes live on 610 WTVN every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But if you missed the show, if you missed any part of the show or any of our past shows, you can catch each and every episode on podcast services around the globe. And we've had some incredible guests that we really encourage you to take a look back at. And we also want to encourage people, if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to help tell your story and help others grow like a pro, send an email to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. But without further ado, I want to jump back into the story of the wonderful Jessica. And Jessica, why don't we start with you know, we talked a lot about the Polar Plunge and kind of what these events are, but I'd love to talk a bit more about your role in Special Olympics and kind of how you got there and everything like that. Yeah, gosh, you know, I, I took a deep breath when you said that. I'm got, it's, it's been uh, so life-changing for the past three years. And, um, you know, I, 
I think, uh, you know, stepping back a little ways, uh, and, and I think that's, and I know that nonprofit work is just in my DNA. I started out, you know, in, in college as uh, a political science major and took a couple psychology classes and shifted really quickly. Um, and I, I think that I have always just been drawn to nonprofit work, the way people think, the way organizations are structured, um, you know, that organizational development. Um, I took a, you know, a class, an organizational psych class, and I thought, oh, this is really great. So, you know, I, I don't know, looking back, I think, you know, my family, as, as everybody's family, usually has a large impact on not only your personal life, but I think in your professional roles. And I look back to my parents, who I think have leadership and, and led with leadership their entire lives. So I think in a sense, I grew up around that. So I, I wouldn't necessarily, Adam, say that I thought I would be a CEO someday, although my dad did tell me that. So when I got the position and called him, said, I knew it. I knew you were going to be a CEO. Oh, so I know it was great. Um, but you know, my mom and dad, uh, my dad was in the United States Air Force. So he served in the Air Force for uh, 26 years, I think, something of that, 25 years. Um, but anyway, he rose very high, high very quickly um, in the ranks of the Air Force and retired at the age of 46 as a colonel. And I think, you know, I remember going into his office as a child and really, you know, knowing that he was important, but I didn't really know how important he was until I became a little bit more evolved in the roles of leadership in my life. And, um, you know, I think he's had a, a profound impact on me and on me in my life. And I said, you know, it's interesting, dad, I feel like, you know, even though you were primarily focused around recruiting and recruitment in the Air Force, I said, I feel like it was sales. And I feel like a lot of my professional development, we very much align. And I think as you, you know, get a little older and you start having conversations like this, where you, you know, dive a little deeper into um, your relationship, you start to find a lot more parallels. And uh, I, I, so I'm incredibly proud of him and the leadership that he had in his professional career. And then when he you know, was done and, and went into civilian life, he was you know, managing um, larger businesses um, you know, and moved down to Texas and, and is living down there now. I think in the other note, my mom was uh, you know, very, you know, she had me at 18. Um, she grew up in Northwest Ohio. My dad came in and swept her off her feet and they got married and moved out to California when my dad was in the Air Force. So I think from, I, I learned a lot from my mom in the sense that she was a self-starter and she was never afraid. And I think that she was always brave in everything that she did. And uh, I learned a lot about her work ethic. She's a very, very hard worker. Um, you know, didn't have a college education, but was able to start a small business. And, you know, I remember her being up through the night hours working to get jobs done and to meet with customers and clients. So I think a lot of my leadership is, is not only innately there, but I think it's also, you know, the environment that I was raised in. Um, you know, I, I took my first job in a leadership role with the American Cancer Society when I was 29. Um, I was working in the field of alcohol and drug addiction prior to that and I answered an ad in the paper I mean it's you know back then you know in 2001 it was you looked at the paper and looked at jobs and if something was interesting you sent your resume and so 
you know, I did that and I was interviewing for uh, a position, a specific position. And it took about three months to get through that interview process. And I thought, gosh, you know, there were five, six weeks in between hearing back from them. And I thought, well, maybe they just don't want me. But what I didn't realize at the time is they were restructuring the entire uh, area and had actually asked me to step up to be the executive director of the American Cancer Society in that Northwest region um, based out of the Defiance area. So, you know, at 29, I, I look back at the people that believed in me and and I didn't know really what I was getting into at the time, but I feel like that's a lot of what my mom really had been about in her life. So, you know, I took the job as executive director at 29. I had a small team and I didn't really know exactly what I needed to do, but I knew that I needed my team and I knew I was only as good as my team. And I remember my mom saying, do you know how to be an executive director? And I said, I don't know exactly but somebody sees something in me that I might not see in myself. So I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity and I'm gonna do my best. And that was like my first big leadership role um, with the American Cancer Society. So it was um, pretty exciting time. It was scary too, but uh, you know, you learn a lot as a young manager and you, you, know, you celebrate your successes. When we had them, we were, reaching goals and knocking fundraising goals out of the park and reaching, you know, a huge number of cancer patients and delivering the program that was so critical to the mission. Um, but, you know, it, it also was a lot of challenges. And I think those came with change. You know, I worked for an organization that I was so passionate about the mission, but we changed all the time. So I think with that came times where I sat and reflected and thought, you know, I can take this opportunity and you can be bitter about not liking a change because I honestly didn't like all the changes. But I also said, or you can roll with it and get better um, and understand what change is really about and how you can benefit from that. And I think that really launched, you know, the 12 titles that I had with the American Cancer Society in 17 years. Um, I, I had everything from an executive director role to regional leadership, and then ended up all the way up at global headquarters working in um, as a strategic director of distinguished events for global headquarters with a $60 million, you know, portfolio that we were responsible for. So I think for me, it's embracing change and knowing that sometimes change doesn't always feel good, but it's trying to make the most of the situation when you can. So I think that's kind of a little bit Adam and Ron about my backstory as I launch into leadership. Um, you know, and then I arrived at Special Olympics Ohio. My mom's sister, so my aunt, had an intellectual disability and also a physical disability. So, and a lot of times, as Ron had mentioned, those who are struggling with the disability have multiple disabilities at one time. So you know, and my aunt, I remember when I moved back to Ohio after my mom and dad split, I lived with my aunt and she truly changed the way I saw the world. And, you know, I think those with disabilities see the world through a different lens. And I think we have so much of those of us that don't have disabilities have so much to learn from them if we just give them a chance. And I think that is really where it led me into Special Olympics Ohio. I had a friend who said, 
you know, there's a position open, there's a CEO position open at Special Olympics Ohio would, you know, I think maybe you should apply. And, you know, 17 years with one organization, I, even though I had 12 titles and I felt like we changed every two to three years, um, it, it kept my, um, the challenges coming and I'm always somebody who likes challenges. Uh, so, but I also thought it's probably time. And, you know, I was mid forties thinking, oh, this is the time in your life when you, it's scary to make a career change, but it's also exciting at the same time. So, which kind of led me in the door to the Special Olympics Ohio office. And, uh, you know, I, I sat around the table with a search committee and said, guys, sit back, here's my story. And um, you can tell me if I'm somebody you're looking for. So that was kind of how I got to this place of Special Olympics Ohio um, back in January of 2018. It's a little bit long story, but it's a, it's a journey. It's a it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a journey. So, um, and so here we are. Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, I, I have a theory about jumping off a cliff and growing your wings on the way down. And I think that's what you've exhibited in uh, your uh, career and uh, starting out in a situation which is scary for most people, you know, starting out and, and at a young age. And, you know, my daughter Betsy's kind of gone through the same thing uh, at, a, at a young age, kind of getting thrown in the deep end. But, you know, you find a way to do it. So the right kind of people with the right type of leadership skills you know, which you certainly have. I mean, there's a big need for that. Thank you, Ron. And I think, you know, we we always learn. And I, I know I'm a lifelong learner and I still am learning from my team and from the athletes. And I, you know, I, I think I will continue to learn. And that's just really what feeds me is, you know, using opportunities in your life to really shape who you are. And I, I truly believe that up to this date, I have really uh, used those opportunities. And, um, you know, maybe when we, after the break, Adam, we can talk a little bit more about my journey here at Special Olympics Ohio um, and where I've been the last three years. I think that is a great segue and a great chance to take a break before we jump back into that awesome story. So thank you for that setup, Jessica. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, we will, you know, take a short break, but make sure to stay tuned to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN because we will be right back with more of Jessica's story. See you all soon. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts, Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest, Jessica Stewart, the president and CEO of Special Olympics Ohio. And if you've missed any of our shows so far, we obviously encourage you to go back and check it out on podcast services around the globe to hear Jessica's story. But she really kind of gave us, you know, her background of how she got to Special Olympics Ohio, her history and nonprofit and all this wonderful stuff. But in this segment, you know, I want to dive into, you know, your journey at Special Olympics Ohio since January of 2018 and just see how you've grown, what you've seen and, you know, everything else you want to tell us. So I would love to give you the floor once again, Jessica. Thank you, Adam. And Rana, it's such a pleasure to have you joining us today. So thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I, when I started the job and I, I know we left off with, you know, sitting in the room and saying, here's who I am, here's my journey, and I would love to be part of the journey and the story, the next story of Special Olympics Ohio. And I, you know, accepted the position 
and I couldn't sleep for like three days. And it wasn't that I was at all apprehensive about my decision because I already had made up my mind that I wanted this job if it was gonna be offered to me and this position to make the profound impact on those with intellectual disabilities. But you know, I also was, a, was scared and I know we talked a little bit about how you have to be brave and, and, and you know, Ron has said, sometimes you do have to dive in and just jump. And I think that's really scary. And I, I think that's really where I was for the three nights that I couldn't sleep. And I know I was really excited about it. I took a little bit of a break. Um, I've had some strong mentors in my life who I believe if you don't have a mentor, you should absolutely have one or two or even three. I think those who are incredibly successful in their lives, both personally and professionally, can make uh, use of mentors and really have some. But I had a mentor once tell me to make sure you take a little bit of a break and reset between jobs. So, you know, you can still carry and bring all of your experience with you, but also make sure that you're giving yourself a nice, you know, control out delete reset. And I, so I did do that, although it's not in my DNA to reset and wait too long. So I took a little bit of time and then started with Special Olympics Ohio. And, you know, the first day I walked in and I sat in the, I, our board chair at the time, Frank is phenomenal, um, who is so good with, you know, such a champion of the organization and our mission. But, you know, he said, just show up. I'll be there at 10 and I'll then we'll walk through some things. I'm like, OK, so I just walked in and this is really, you know, the staff I'd never met. Uh, I didn't know a ton about the mission. I mean, everybody knows Special Olympics, but to really feel and understand Special Olympics is very different. Uh, so, you know, so I just spent some time talking with the team and trying to, you know, figure out who was there, how long had they been there, and really just trying to launch this position really relationship-based, because every single thing we do, regardless of what organization or what company you work for, is all about relationships, and I'm a firm believer in that. So I just started building relationships, and, um, you know, it was very similar to when I started with the American Cancer Society, I think at that point we had one computer in the office and I remember just pulling binders off and opening up the binders and just starting to call people. It's almost like a cold call start, you know, and I felt like I was there again, you know, 17 years later. And I thought, well, I've done this before, so let's go, you know, let's jump in. You know, the organization, Special Olympics Ohio, um, I think we were incorporated in the mid seventies and um, as the Ohio Athletic Association, I believe, and then moved into you know, Special Olympics Ohio. Well, we were Ohio Special Olympics and then Special Olympics Ohio. So um, you know, they're, they're, the foundation that we had here in Ohio when I stepped in was incredible. Uh, we had longtime staff members and leadership that had been in place that had really done a fantastic job of you know, 20,000 athletes in the state. I think at that point it was 23,000. Um, we later scrubbed some numbers and realized it's a little less, but it's still impactful nonetheless with our deep bench. But, you know, it was, um, you know, really looking at the history of the organization and hearing stories about where we've been and how, you know, back in the 1980s, when we had our summer games out at Ohio State, we were the premier summer games, you know, organization and people would come in and want to see what we did in the 80s and the mid 80s, you know, and, and what I quickly realized is we didn't change a lot. You know, we haven't changed a lot. And, and for me, Adam and Ron, you know that my story and my history has been all about change. 
So for me, I felt a little stagnant in a place where we hadn't really looked at all aspects of the organization from, you know, most importantly, the mission delivery and how could we improve the quality of the sports that we offer and the sports competitions, or how can we reach more athletes to what were we doing in the fundraising space? You know, we can't deliver mission without the money and the fundraising, and we can't fundraise without the mission. So it was really trying to level set those two and really where we were. And then I think the other piece of that as a CEO of a nonprofit independent 501c3 organization, I really was looking at the business processes. You know, we are a business and we are a business with a heart. We are a business with a passion, but we also have to be efficient in the way we're operating. So I think for me, you know, the staff were still using AOL email addresses. I'm like, okay, we've got to reset and look at technology. How can we use technology to be more efficient? And, you know, I had come from such a large nonprofit organization that was centralized in a lot of its processes that I came in and I'm like, how do I drive this without a larger resource? And I'm like, well, we got to build the board. So that's kind of where I, I said, we have to start with, you know, the business processes, making sure we have the right controls in place and all of that, you know, are the, is the audit being done effectively? And, you know, all those business pieces too. But I think more importantly, and the most important for us at the time was our field. So we are currently, at that point, we were about 180 local organizations uh, throughout Ohio that were accredited up to the state office. Uh, and, you know, it was each of those 180 organizations looked and felt a little different. You know, we had some that were totally volunteer, um, local coordinators of these organizations. And there were others that were, you know, a paid staff of a county board of developmental disabilities who was running a rec program that was Special Olympics program for their, you know, the folks that they serve within the county board. So some school-based programs, it just looked and felt there was no um, consistency across the board. And part of that is the beauty of who we are, because I think, you know, as we've evolved in three years, we still have a lot of local organizations. We have about 135 that have reaccredited this year to us at the state office, but they truly are the grassroots of the organization. Um, they're the ones that are on the front line, our local coordinators. They are the ones doing, you know, recruiting the athletes, taking the athletes to practice, making sure that they're, you know, getting other needs met. And I'll talk about, you know, we are a sports organization and I'll pivot out of that a little bit more and talk about what else we are. But, you know, I think they're recruiting the coaches, making sure the coaches have their training It's and fundraising for their own local organization because the state had been absent in the fundraising initiatives to really support our local orgs. So I think for me, it was all of these moving parts and all of these, um, you know, juggling all of these balls, trying to figure out where do I start? So I feel like, um, you know, it's been, and one of, uh, one of my mentors at Special Olympics North America said to me, Jessica, you've had to run around the track three times before you could even get to the start starting line. And I said, gosh, that's such a great analogy for you know, anybody who steps in to an organization that probably should be growing up a little bit and, and really professionalizing processes and efficiencies, um, and, but making sure at the end of the day, ultimately this is about our athletes. 
So it's that balance between the business hat and the mission delivery side and really how do we pull all that together. And I think for the most part, you know, I, I spoke in terms of the team um, and I speak in terms of our team because I, I operate under a very servant leadership style. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, it's just who I am. It's about empowering teams. It's about pulling teams together. It's about trying to find as much consensus as we can and including people in the process of change. Um, because, you know, change feels different. You know, everybody says it's good, change is great. And then when it happens, it's like everybody kind of puts the brakes on. Some folks dig in their heels, some are like, let's go. So it's really about how do we, you know, really change the organization without losing the core of what we, who we really are and making sure we keep our athletes first. So it's been um, an incredible journey for three years. Uh, I will tell you, we are, I mean, just when I felt like I just got to the starting line, COVID hit. So again, and it's everything we knew to be normal doesn't exist anymore. And it's about pivoting. It's about staying relevant for our athletes, protecting our athletes, keeping them engaged and, you know, really helping with that social, social isolation, um, you know, and, you know, Ron has, has, has spoken to that in many terms about how it's impacted his daughter, but it truly is a real problem and a real situation that, you know, we're trying to do the best that we can to address. So, um, you know, it, it's all about been building my team and building relationships with our local organizations and pulling it all together. And here we are. So, um, and then COVID hit, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and it's like, how do we do, what do we do? We always look at things very differently. So, um, so with that, I, I would love to talk a little bit more, Adam, in our next segment about what we're doing in the face of the pandemic and uh, kind of what our plans are moving forward and some exciting things we have coming up in the future. All sounds fantastic. And we'll take a very quick break so we can get right back to the story. So make sure to stay tuned to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN, and we will be right back. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts, Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest, Jessica Stewart, the president and CEO of Special Olympics Ohio. And unfortunately, my friends, we're at my least favorite segment again, the segment where we soon have to say goodbye to our guest, Jessica, who has just, you know, shared an incredible story with us. And I'm just, it's definitely one of those guests that we know we want to have back in the future, but I don't want to waste any more time because Jessica still got stuff to talk about. So Jessica, tell me a bit about how you guys have handled the pandemic, how you've, you know, really changed lives during these crazy times. And also once again, once we finish how people can get involved and even help out with special Olympics. Excellent. Thank you, Adam. Um, so I think real quick, I just want to give a, a nod to the importance of our mission and what we actually do. And you know, we are, like I mentioned before, 20,000 athletes deep, and we are an organization that really focuses around sports training and competition for those with intellectual disabilities. And this is the children and adults. And I think that's an important piece to mention. A lot of folks say, you know, it's what are the kids doing? And I'm like, oh, our average athlete age is about 32. So um, just know it's, it's, a, it's a world of um, a variation of ages of athletes. So in addition to you know, our sports, we really focus um, on changing the hearts and minds of those toward those with intellectual disabilities. So 
we are much more in the inclusion space, I think, than people really realize. And, you know, we also focus on um, athlete leadership, which is huge. We are an organization that belongs to our athletes. So that's important. Um, unified champion schools and our unified initiatives are also an amazing opportunity for folks to get on the same playing field for those without intellectual disabilities to be on the same playing field or court with those with intellectual disabilities. Um, and, and, you know, also health, athlete health. We know we got to keep our athletes healthy and uh, to perform at their best and to be um, all the way around a healthy individual. So, and with that, I'll kind of pivot into uh, the pandemic. So as the pandemic hit about a year ago, uh, you know, I think it's left everybody trying to figure out how do they continue to stay relevant in the lives of those that they serve. So for us, it's really been how do we protect and engage and keep our athletes active as much as possible? So we have really shifted to the virtual space, as many people have, you know, offering virtual fitness initiatives. Um, we have our fitness influencer challenge for athletes who don't have virtual access, who can um, log their physical fitness, their eating, their water consumption um, on and sending it into the office just via mail. We're happy to do that too. But I think uh, more than anything, we are really looking at how do we protect our athletes during this time. And, you know, we've been, you know, at a return to play phase one where it's small groups of 10 that are able to get together. Then we moved up to a phase two in the fall. And then all of a sudden the cases spiked. We came to a screeching halt and had to shut down suspension of in-person activities again. So we're back up again to phase one. So we're back active again. But, uh, you know, I think what we've done is really looked at partnerships across all of Ohio. And, uh, you know, we have like the Lindy Infante Foundation, which was just a gem that we didn't have a relationship with, you know, put together sports kits in a bags and we delivered them to, you know, 450, I think, bags across the state for athletes and our, our athletes to have equipment to actually do sports. So it was, um, each kit contained different things, but uh, the athletes loved it. We did drive-through handoffs for uh, the sports kits in a bags. You know, we delivered 4,000 PPE uh, packages out to our athletes. Um, for those who were interested and wanted protective personal equipment, per personal protective equipment, and, uh, and, and, you know, really putting in the hands of our, our local coordinators all that they need to actively protect our athletes. You know, I think it's been an education opportunity for us, too, with our athletes. And, um, you know, really, how do they protect themselves in this pandemic? And how um, can they do the best they can now to where we can be back to activity as soon as possible? Because the one thing we don't... we don't know is everything not right now, right? So it's kind of trying to look at how do we slowly look at a cadence that brings our athletes back into an activity um, and we can reach every athlete. And that's really what our goal is as we continue to move forward through this pandemic. So um, it's, we've got a long way to go and the lights at the end of the tunnel is there, but we've just got to get there. So um, you know, I would love for folks, I know we're short on time. If you want more information about Special Olympics Ohio, please go to our website, SOOH.org. Um, you know, we have a, anything you need to know about the organization is there. We are currently relaunching our law enforcement torch run initiatives. So we have a new uh, state director 
who's in law enforcement. So we're pulling our law enforcement in to really help us too. And uh, that'll be a fantastic opportunity, but we're really launching that as well. So Polar Plunge, I'm gonna do a real quick plug. It is not too late. We are plunging the entire month of February your way. So I am incredibly excited to watch the numbers jump. We have a big goal of 170,000 this year. I think we're at about 125,000. Um, and have a couple more weeks to go. So if you're interested and want more information, you can go to our website. The big banner is right across the top. Click on that. Um, and our athletes need us now more than ever. And uh, we'd love to see you be part of supporting the organization. Uh, we are always looking for coaches, volunteers, anybody, unified partners who want to participate with our athletes. Um, you know, we can, uh, we have a little bit of something for everybody. So I would love for you guys to go to our website and check it out. And uh, Adam, I'm just watching the time. I think we're about there. So yeah, unfortunately, yes. this is, this is the end of our show, but you know, Jessica, thank you so much. I wish we could talk for hours and hours. I know, but, I could talk for hours. The, big yeah. surprise, right? Big surprise. That's that just been means... a great show. Great show. Yeah. Thank great you. Show. Yes. Ron and Adam, I cannot thank you enough for this opportunity and um, thank you very much, Ron, and all of you for your support of Special Olympics Ohio. Um, a sincere thank you. We appreciate it. We can't do this without you. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica. And Ron, thank you for joining us. And please go support Jessica and Special Olympics Ohio on the Polar Plunge. You will not regret it. I can promise you that. But, you know, like I said, unfortunately, we do have to end our show. But Jessica, thank you once again for, uh, for really sharing your story and really making a difference in our community and beyond. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And to everybody else, thank you for joining us. We encourage you to check out Grow Like a Pro on podcast services around the globe and catch a new episode every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, I hope you guys have a great day and or night, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody.